Ladies and Toms, today's reading is Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honour your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. You shall not covet your neighbour's house. You shall not covet your neighbour's wife, or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbour. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites this, You have seen for yourselves that I have spoken to you from heaven. Do not make any gods to be alongside me. Do not make for yourselves gods of silver or gods of gold. Make an altar of earth for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, your sheep, your goats and your cattle. Wherever, wherever I cause my name to be honoured, I will come to you and bless you. If you make an altar of stones for me, do not build it with dressed stones, for you will defile it if you use a tool on it. And do not go up to my altar on steps, or your private parts may be exposed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, St. Tom's. It's good to be with you this morning. I hope you're well. My name is Brenton. And as I've been preparing for this sermon this morning, I thought of Kevin Giles and how when he introduces himself, he often says that um, every now and then they invite the retired Anglican clergy to come and preach a sermon. Well, today they've invited the first year theological student to come and preach a sermon. So it's good to be with you. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray that you may be present with us as we read and study your word this morning. Help each of us to understand your message to us. I pray we may be inspired to love you more and serve you better. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. Well, today is the day that we've been looking forward to, Sunday the 13th of September. For months, we've been hoping and praying for a successful campaign of virus suppression in our city. I'm sure many of us are feeling as though today is a bit of an anticlimax. But as we've seen over the last week, Melbourne is nearly there. Less than 40 cases, less than 50, sorry, cases today as I record this video. I saw an advertisement for ABC News this week. It included Australians gathering together, hugging and comforting each other, and used adjectives preceded by the words, we are, to describe how Australians as a nation are feeling in 2020. Well, I guess that you can imagine what some of those adjectives were. Are, uh, adjectives were. We are anxious. We are restricted. We are worried. We are tired. We are hopeful. We are scared. We are stressed. Well, if we read chapters 19 and 20 of Exodus, I think that similar adjectives could probably describe Israel as a nation, as it anticipated God's presence with them at the foot of Mount Sinai and looked forward to better times ahead in the land that God had promised them. If you've just joined us, then as a church, St. Thomas has been making its way through the book of Exodus, a book of the Bible which explains how God's people the Israelites were slaves in Egypt and how God freed them from oppression to be a nation that would serve and worship him. Today we come to what is perhaps one of, if not the most widely known passages of Old Testament scripture. Around the world, the Ten Commandments can be found in churches, synagogues, even courthouses. A good portion of the community, even in today's post-Christian world, could list some of the Ten Commandments without even needing to Google them. However, this does not mean the Ten Commandments are well understood. They have been described by commentators as having taken on a life of their own, often detached from their context in the book of Exodus. So today we're asking, what is the special place of the Ten Commandments? What is their special place to God? What is their special place to Israel? And do they have a special place for us? Well, what is their special place for God? Exodus 20 begins a lengthy section of the book relating to Old Testament law. The opening verses provide context for the Ten, Command Ten Commandments which follow. In verse 1, God himself is speaking. Now, this compares to chapter 19 last week, where God addressed Israel through Moses as God's representative. But here, God speaks directly to the nation of Israel, signalling that what follows is important to God and important for Israel to listen to. I think verse 2 also helps us out with context. God establishes authority with, I am the Lord your God. We think back to Exodus 3.14 earlier this year when God patiently introduced himself to Moses at the burning bush. I am who I am. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob at the burning bush. 
Verse 2 reminds Israel who God is. This is the one true God of Israel speaking. The God who delivered Israel through the Red Sea. I think these verses tell us how important this passage and the Ten Commandments which follow are to God. The order of events here are also important. They reveal part of God's character to us. Israel has already been freed from Pharaoh. Israel has already become a nation from slavery under Pharaoh to God's treasured possession. God does not say, follow these commands, then I will free you from Pharaoh. That part of the story has already happened. The Ten Commandments are not a condition of becoming God's people. The relationship between God and Israel has already begun. The Ten Commandments are an extension of God's love and grace already shown to Israel in the Exodus from Egypt. So what is their special place for Israel? Well, if the Ten Commandments are important to God, they are probably of even more importance to Israel. To continue this story, God desires his people be more like him. Israel is now called to live holy lives and become a holy nation. God begins with the Ten Commandments as a summary of how this will happen. Now, ancient law was very different to the modern laws that we live under under today. Ancient law was by its nature quite ambiguous. We might think that the remainder of the book of Exodus and the entire book of Leviticus is a pretty long and exhaustive collection of law, but they are nowhere near the volume of laws that modern societies have today, which aim to be very specific and cover every possible offence. Ancient laws of which God's covenant law is an example and the Ten Commandments are part of, were rather guiding principles. And people were expected to conclude from these principles what behaviour was right and what behaviour was wrong. Now we might need an example to help us illustrate this, so let's just jump forward to Exodus 21.15. As an example here, the law says that anyone who attacks their mother or father should be put to death. But if an Israelite attacked his sister, does that mean that he or she is off the hook? Well, probably not. The Israelites had to learn the underlying principles in any law and not let the specifics of the law lead them to interpret it too narrowly. So, The Ten Commandments are like a foundational set of principles that summarise and guide the more specific regulations of God's covenant law which follow them. Well, let's jump in and have a look at some of the Ten Commandments themselves. They can be divided into two categories. The first four concern Israel's relationship with God, and the subsequent six govern Israel's relationship with itself. The first two commandments, you shall have no other gods before me, and the second, which prohibits making idols for worship, are often grouped together. These commandments are of real importance to Israel, who as a nation constantly struggled, as we see throughout much of our Bibles, 
to remain faithful to God. Israel were up against it. They were surrounded by nations that supported an array of gods and goddesses, where idols of the other gods were an ancient custom. But this is precisely why Israel needed the Ten Commandments. And they were such a gift in revealing, in, in revealing God's perfect standards. They became a protection from sin and humbled Israel of the need to repent. The second group of commandments from verse 12 to 17 ordered relationships within the Israelite community. They governed how Israel should interact with one another. Now you notice that some of these commands are very short. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Just a few words. But this, or the fact that they are more social than religious, does not mean that they are any less important. The commands are given to Israel as a whole. But here, the actions of individuals within the nation have far-reaching consequences. We can use our current circumstances perhaps as an example, where if one Victorian workplace throws a boozy office party or one nightclub decides to open illegally, the consequences on public health and community transmission in Victoria could be disastrous. On the other hand, when community transmission in Victoria is suppressed, it will not be because of a few responsible individuals but the entire community working together. We see in verse 5, the effect of disobedience by Israel will be felt for a long time. However, in verse 6, we see that obedience has long-lasting, even eternal reward for Israel. And in verse 12, we see that corporate obedience, obedience by the community, the nation as a whole, will lead to long life in the promised land. Israel must now show obedience and repentance for the blessing of God's presence and life in the promised land. Grace, obedience, blessing. The Ten Commandments are important for Israel. They provide Israel with a glimpse of what God is like and how he wants to be worshipped. We already know that God is faithful. And these Ten Commandments highlight the place of the Israelite within the nation of Israel. To be a holy nation, faithfulness is required by all. God is preparing Israel to be an even bigger part of his story. He's training them for entry into the promised land so that they might be order amidst chaos, be a holy nation who by looking at the nations will come closer to God. Well, do the Ten Commandments have a special place for us? I want to say that whilst the Ten Commandments provided Israel with a glimpse of God, we are fortunate enough to have seen a much bigger glimpse of God through the person of Jesus. Jesus made more than an appearance. He lived amongst us. But does that mean that we get to disregard the teaching of the Ten Commandments? Well, there's been a lot of thinking about this, and I'm not an expert. But I don't think that that's what Jesus asks us to do. 
In Matthew 22, 36, Jesus is challenged with a question from a group of Pharisees. What is the greatest commandment in the law? The Pharisees ask. Jesus replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Well, did those two commandments that Jesus mentioned sound like the Ten Commandments? I think that the Ten Commandments actually fit within these two. The first four commandments look up to reflect the greatest commandment that Jesus speaks of. Love the Lord your God. And the six remaining commandments fit within the second commandment, to love your neighbour. The Ten Commandments were an extension of God's grace to Israel so they may obey and be blessed. The Ten Commandments continue to reflect God's image and since we, in Christ, are recreated in God's image, we ought to continue to keep and aspire to these laws helped by the Holy Spirit. So how can we do this? Well, I think in our current context we can admit that we are tired, worried, stressed and frustrated and that we need God's help to persevere through our current situation. We can recognise that just like Israel, we ourselves are up against it and admit when things have gotten between us and our relationship with God. We can start by resisting the aspects of culture and life that disturb, that unsettle us from loving God with all of our heart, soul and mind. We can consider how best we can serve God and in the context of the coronavirus, we have a wonderful opportunity to love our neighbours. We can do what Christians have done in previous global pandemics before and been recognised for. We can care for those who are vulnerable like we've been doing, like the international students at Deakin. And through this, we can play our small part in God's great big plan so that his will may be done on earth as it is in heaven.